I will play you two audio clips that are maddening, beguiling, you can pick the word, but I want to start by using my history skills to get you to think differently about when and where you live on the Corey Truax Show. If you are a regular listener, then you likely picked up last week that one of the things I am most frustrated by is a world that tells the people that I love, tells the people that I know, and that's a lot of you, and then some of you, most of you, are tangential to me. I don't know you, but you listen. Thank you for doing that. I know you live in a world that is constantly trying to make you angry and scared. That's what marks our media landscape, and even people that I like are often trying to make you angry and scared. And so I actually want to do something that I think is interesting. Making my list today, I had a lot of fun doing it. So you get uh, Good Mood Corey doing something fun where I get to teach you some history from one year in American history. And I think by the end, it will help you think differently about our crazy world. Welcome to the Corey Truax Show, wherever you find podcasts. I'm glad you're here. I do lots of things, but one of them is I serve as the pastor, the, what do we call me? Pastor for teaching. That's it. Um, I got distracted. There was a, I, I record looking out my window and there were two cats fighting each other. So I got distracted for a second. My bad. Pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. We meet at 1030 on Sunday mornings. You can find sermons from the Joshua series. that has been phenomenal. You can find that out on Spotify. Look for Beachwood Church on Facebook as well. If you don't have a church home, you're invited. We would love to have you. Let's, uh, what else? Oh yeah. Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. And then you can get me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Threads. Find me there, and I would be glad to connect. Send me stuff for the show. and Or tag me in things that you think need response. I'm always happy to do it. Here, I know the world where you live. Uh, listen, I know it's maddening. You look around, and it's, it seems like the world's gone crazy. If you start, instead of starting with your life, instead you start with the news, which is unwise, by the way. It's, it's unwise to start your day with the news, to go and find out what the Daily Wire, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, what some other people want you to know about world events. It's not a good place to start. It's immediately getting up all of your anxiety responses and anger chemicals. That's not a good way to start the day. But let's say you do that. What will happen is, uh, just I'll take today. The Secretary of Defense was in ICU for four days and no one knew. Isn't it crazy how terrible the and clueless the president it is. And then he president went to the church, went to a church and uh, got chanted four more years at him by a black congregation. And isn't that maddening because people get mad at Christian nationalism? And also the southern the US southern border is a mess and it seems dangerous and that there seems to be no one that actually cares that that's easier for drugs to come across. And drugs are a very serious problem in the country. And we have a serious fentanyl problem. We've had it for, for a while now. Uh, there are two wars in going on in the world, and when we're not looking around the world at two major wars, you just come right back here. There's entire groups of people that think men can be women and women can be men. And it's a small group, but we are, in s- small sample settings, giving children powerful, life-changing drugs before their minds have been able to develop. They, they should never be given those drugs. And for that matter, you get to other people with different priorities, and there, uh, there are very wealthy and powerful people that just seem to constantly get more wealth and power. And one of the consequences of that, 
both in government and the private sector, is I am thinking about my 20-year-old nephews now, and I think about the five, four, five, six-year-olds in our church, and I think about them trying to buy a house one day, and that seems to be like we're on an unsustainable route that they're not going to be able to have lives, almost to the extent that you, you almost want the economy to crash into nothingness so it can be remade in a way in the future that these young people that I love can actually thrive in it. I bet just listening to that for 20 for two seconds, excuse me, for two minutes for me, brought up your fear and anxiety and all that. And we are tempted to think we are in a unique moment. There's never been anything like this. This is a disaster. This is where I am most angry at commentators that try to get you riled up. I am going to go to the 2024 election for this. The people that say, if fill in the blank is elected, we'll put your Trump first, then Biden. If Trump, if Trump wins, it's the end of the country. We're, we're going to be in dictatorship. We're going to be in the, it's the end. We'll never have another election. The country will fall. It's the end if he wins. And his, his opposites, if, if, those who are with him, if Biden wins, it is the end. We don't have a country anymore. The country has fallen. You live in a wasteland if that takes place. I think both of those positions are mostly ignorant of history. I know that's a harsh word, but it just means to lack knowledge. They are people, unfortunately, of, the, of this moment. And in this moment, we assume we're the only people that have ever lived. Life started when I started. And I don't really know what happened before me. I don't have good context on my country or in the Western world. And for a lot of people, because Donald Trump brought them to the political world, they think life began in 2016. Nothing that happened before has any context or matters. All of life began that day, and so that's their entire universe of knowledge. And so I give you that diatribe a minute ago with all the things going on in this crazy world. And it feels unique. And so the consequences of this moment are so big because there's never been anything like it. And so this election or the outcomes of all these issues, they are live or die. And I want to see if I can give you some inoculation against that panic by using history. I think this is one of the ways I am so calm all the time is because I actually do know a lot of history. It was the discipline I most studied in college. It was even now, I would say now what I'm going to be 38 this year. I guess now I've probably read more theology books, but that's only recently did I catch up on theology. Most of my post-college world was reading more history. I was a history guy or in a lot of audiobooks, history podcasts. That was my thing before theology was. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that out. Never mind. I was going to make a point about people's reaction to like January 6th and why my my historic mind allows me to look at those events and go, eh, actually wasn't that, I mean, it was bad, but it had no consequence, and here's some historical analogies. I'm just going to take you to one year in our history. I'm picking a tumultuous year on purpose, because I think this year is tumultuous and has its, has its troubles. But I could pick 10 different years and do this. And if you want me to, by the way, tell me, and I will collect it for you. But let me take you back to 1968. Most of my listeners were not alive. Most of your, I mean, all of your parents were. I do have some older folks. You were around. Maybe you even remember 1968. I think my dad was nine or ten years old when all of this happened. Guys, that was a contentious year in America. There was an election coming up. 1968 was an election year, and man, was it uh, a topsy-turvy uh, out of nowhere type of event that not, you couldn't you couldn't imagine today. Just for example, the incumbent, a guy named Lyndon Johnson, 
decides not to run. And he decides not to run late in the process. And so the guy who eventually wins, a guy named Richard Nixon, the governor of California, he doesn't even declare he's running until the New Hampshire primary. He's not even in the race until after the race starts. That's how uh, unpredictable the, the political wins were that year. And for that matter, if you're living in, you're living in 1968, that's not something you've really seen. You don't see presidents who are eligible for re-election just choose not to. It's a disorienting moment and a really disorienting time because we're also at war. January of 1968, the Vietnamese start their most effective offensive in the Vietnam War where we were already involved. And here's something that we had never experienced. It seemed like we were losing. Imagine being the people in 1968 in the United States. We were the force that just 20 years before destroyed the Imperial Japanese. We were the force in conjunction with the Soviets and the British who destroyed the Nazis. In the Pacific, in the Pacific theater and the European theater, the Americans were militarily dominant. We were, 20 years into being really the only ones with the atomic bomb, by this time the Russians, the Soviets, had their hydrogen bomb, but we were in a, a really healthy stasis of knowing that the other can't fire because we'll destroy them if they destroy us, and it was something called mutually assured destruction. The acronym was MAD. We lived in a mad world, and so those bombs weren't being used. But, man, I'm looking at my TV in February and March of 1968, and the mightiest military seems to be losing in Vietnam. The uh, a thing we used to have in the United States, really authoritative me- media voices, we don't have those anymore, but the authoritative media voice of the time, Walter Cron- Cronkite, gives a commentary where he said he thought we were going to be in a stalemate, maybe lose the war. And it was a turning point against the Vietnam War as the American people believed Walter Cronkite and wanted to get out of there as we were across the world waging war against an ideology of communism. While that was happening overseas at home, we were in the cultural upheaval of the hippie movement, of the yippie movement, of the peace of the peaceniks. You guys, you have that entire show that Fox did about 20 years, 20 years ago called That 70s Show of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it, was, it was a comedy, and it downplayed the intensity. But we're coming into that Woodstock era. We're coming into the LSD psychedelics era. We're coming into the really the first widespread mass drug use of young people. And now that that baby boomer generation they're getting they're getting born in that late 40s early 50s they're going off to college they are super anti-war guys there's four college students killed on the campus of Kent State in Ohio during a a, a riot or protest against the war you think the summer of 2020 was tumultuous and it was it was some of the worst rioting we've seen if you go back and try to and YouTube some of the things that were going on on college campuses and in major cities in 1968 regarding the Vietnam War, it was violent, it was destructive. What you saw in 2020 and what you're seeing now with pro-Palestinian protesters across the West, we're not strangers to that. That was very present not too long ago. 1968, what, 78, 88, 98, 08, 18, it's just 50-plus years ago. 55 years ago. Do you, do you know any of this? That we, You're not the only ones that have lived through 
horrifically tumultuous and disorienting times. Even, even then, while we are living through a cultural upheaval of what it even means to be a man and a woman, they were at the beginning of that, where, it would, where you would have, at least out west, the beginning of the LGBT stuff. We started having magazines for the first time in circulation that actually had homosexual acts in them, that kind of pornography. Did you know that it, in 1968, those anti-Vietnam war protesters invaded the New York Stock Exchange and just shut down trading for a day? That's before you get to the August of 1968, where the Democrats were meeting in Chicago to nominate their, uh, their nominee, I believe was, oh dang, Hubert Humphrey? I think it was Hubert Humphrey. To nominate Hubert Humphrey, I've, you can fact check me on that. There were riots in the streets, especially on day three of that convention. They almost shut down Chicago. The National Guard had to come out. Over Overseas, you may not, may not know this one, because of that post-World War II generation coming back and having kids, by 1968, those kids are in their late teens. There, there's a lot of youthful energy, and it's not in favor of a lot of what's going on in Europe and around the world. The French had bloody riots, and then an entire time of a general strike, as in the entire country, saying to Charles de Gaulle, their leader, we're just not doing anything. Everyone's staying home from work. We're just on strike as a people until we get what we want. There was a war going on between the Russians and the Czechoslovakians. So the, the Czechs were trying to break away from the Soviet Union. Soviets invaded a little bit like Soviets, well, not the Soviets. The Russians have now invaded Ukraine, where we're sitting now. You can absolutely know in 1968 there was unrest in the Middle East. There wasn't an actual war going on in Israel, but there was, there was some conflict. Guys, I haven't gotten to the, the one part that actually I think makes it worse. You, you look at all of that, what I just said, and you can find analogies. Contentious elections, protest movements, instability, cultural upheaval in our understanding of sex, sexuality, all the drug use. Now, And you, look, you come back over here, and there are some things that we're facing that they weren't facing. The level of inflation there at the time was not what it is. It was bad then but not what, not what we're facing. So there's some financial strife and struggle that we're having to go through. But here's the big thing they had to endure that we, didn't have, that we haven't had to yet. And Lord, please, don't let, it, don't let it come. I've said this on the show a couple times the last 10 years. What feels like this very unstable time isn't as unstable as previous times, primarily because of this one thing I'm about to tell you. They had to go through all of the assassinations. In 1968, April 4th, 1968, Martin Luther King killed in Memphis, Tennessee, followed by riots. By the way, back then, for good reason, a lot of racial tension and racial conflict because of all the vestiges of, of Jim Crow and truly a, a very large group of people just seeing black Americans like they weren't human now I'm actually remembering the 1968 election as well where Nixon won. Uh, George Wallace ran as a third-party candidate. He got like 15% of the vote. He w- I think he won a couple states in the South. We had you know, an actual real three-party election back in 1968. And it wasn't just Dr. King. A couple months later, who would have likely have been the, the Democratic nominee, Robert Kennedy, that's J- John F. Kennedy's younger brother. He had just been Attorney General under JFK in the 60s. He's shot and killed by a, a Palestinian named Sirhan Sirhan. 
In the arts, Andy Warhol, the I mean, I would argue the the most significant artist of that era, shot and killed. Uh, a little under circumstances that it's hard to hard to really grasp why he was shot in his apartment in Manhattan. The world was insane that year, guys. And then think about what comes next. Yeah, we do get into the seventies, and those were particularly bad economically. You'll hear about the gas rationing and there was grocery rationing. We had problems throughout the 70s, which then led to a fairly triumphant 80s. I don't want to over-romanticize the 80s, but, I mean, that's the beginnings by the end of the 80s, the beginnings of the Internet. Our mobile age begins to take place, the the roots of it, economic flourishing throughout the 80s that ultimately ultimately leads in 91 to the Soviet Union coming to an end. And I, then I think maybe the pinnacle of Western civilization to the 90s. But if you were in 1968, could you have seen what was to come? And believe this, the voices were there. If if Hubert Humphrey, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm hopefully accurate on that, guys. If Hubert Humphrey wins this election, the country's over. All right, well, he didn't, and it wasn't. If Richard Nixon wins this election, the country's over. Yeah, well, he did, and it's not. If George Wallace wins this election, the country's over. Well, he didn't, and we're still here. Guys, I could do this with a bunch of other years, but I've gone for 15 minutes on this. I think this is just my my call to you is this. Have some context for your life. I'm not I'm not trying to blow smoke here and say everything's fine, everything's good. Things aren't fine and good. We we live in a rough time. Uh, but don't don't believe the panic people. They're they're out. I think some of them genuinely I think a lot of them genuinely believe what they're saying but that means they're unwise and they are what's a good word I'm just going to go with hysterical panicky they don't they don't know their history life didn't start when we started we got we've got to know more history to put our lives in in context I think I'll I'll stop that stop that there with just that call don't panic don't freak out and if you want me to pick other years and do little 15-minute tutorials about what happened that year so that you can understand that other people have been through very, very tumultuous bad times and you're not, we're not the first ones and we're not unique. and uh, like, I'll give you one more point on this. What I find, then, what people will do is they decide that they are the, their generation, the moment they're in, genuinely is unique. It's like no other time. And therefore, since it's like no other time, they're allowed to behave like no other time. The rules of ethics can change because, well, no one's ever had to deal with that. What I'm having to deal with now. Yeah, we have. The, 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 simula- the situations aren't identical. There's a lot of similarity. And situations don't change ethics. We actually have a term for that, situational ethics. That's a problem. We need to have a clear sense of right and wrong, and you will do better at picking up that sense if you will know your history. Okay, if you want to do more of that, let me know, and I will prepare more 15-minute summaries. Now, this year and last year, I'm going to continue doing it. We have been trying to think through Bible thinking, biblical concepts, and how to apply them to the modern world. I actually have a little bit of that I want to do with you here 
in just uh, here in just a second. I understand that's hard though, because sometimes as we read Old Testament, things get weird, and you wonder about how you can apply that to your normal life. We'll read a story about someone being gored by an ox, and now the person who owned that ox has to pay some kind of recompense. Well, my guess is you have never been gored by an ox, but the modern-day analogy might have happened to you. And I think that modern-day analogy is getting hurt in a car accident or maybe getting hurt at work or that happening to someone that you love. Listen, those are serious. Medical bills start to pile up. You start to lose wages while you're hurt. As you're trying to recover, you're trying to navigate the process of getting justice, trying to make things right. I don't want you to be intimidated by that, and don't think you have to do it alone. There are people out there to help you. The one I want to point you towards right now is a personal friend of mine. His name is Samuel Harms. You can Google him. That's uh, Samuel Harms, H-A-R-M-S, as in stay out of harm's way. His number is 864-666-6666. Samuel Harms, attorney at law. Uh, For real, don't try to do these things alone. I've, I've seen people really suffer when they've tried to do it alone. So reach out to him, Samuel Harms, here in Greenville. It's 33 Market Point Drive, Greenville, South Carolina, 29607. The number is 666-6666. Uh, So if you have been gored by the modern-day ox that is hurt in a car accident or hurt at work, give Samuel Harms a call at 666-6666. Now, two pieces of audio I want to play for you, and I think that'll be it. Both have been making the rounds on Twitter. I have been proud of the people that I have come to, just admittedly, I, I need to fix it in my own heart, the people I don't like, they're just, they're Christians I just, I've come to dislike. I don't like their style, don't like their tenor. I've been proud of them for calling out both of these pieces of audio. So now I want to give us something of a test to see if we have same visceral reactions to error as we should. We, when we hear error, when we hear the wrong thing happening, it doesn't need to be angry. Like I'm very rarely going to be animated in my anger. But we need to uh, be zealous. Be zealous for good things and recognize error. So I'm going to play for you the first one here from a woman named Deanna Dudley. Deanna Dudley is an apostate who is destined to burn for eternity lest she repent. Let's be that severe about it because it's true. She's apparently the fake pastor of a church in Toronto, Canada. And she is on stage from this video I'm about to play for you with a rainbow flag shawl on. She's exactly what you would expect physically and in presentation from a woman who thinks she's a pastor in an entirely left-wing, insane, non-denomination of a non-church. It's two minutes long. I'm not going to make you listen to all of it, but I am going to ask you to listen to about 45 seconds of it and let it uh, let let it, the Holy Spirit rile you up a little bit for the fact that people are, that this is a woman doing this in a room, fakely, ostensibly, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, here is that clip. I am just loving Pride Month. I love it every year. I'm loving all the queer events and the human rights work and the celebrations. I'm loving all the rainbows around town and the people who decorate their balconies for Pride. So can anyone tell me, what is the point of Pride Month? What's to be proud about? People are just yelling various answers here. They continue to yell answers. She's like leading a choir with her hands. Awesome. I think I heard about 50 different answers. They're all great. There may even be more. So when I'm looking for answers, I turn to the Bible. Just kidding. Not always. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just say it. You won't be laughing about that very soon. It's not funny at all. That goes on for another minute and 15 seconds. 
of absolute blasphemy. And when we see, when we hear blasphemy coming from the form of godliness in a church wearing the robes, it should do something to it. It does something to me right now. I can't stand what I just heard. I am. I'm angry about it. I just don't emote like others. Now, I want to play for you something else. Paul Harvey is... Uh, he's the best broadcaster in the history of broadcasting. I love Paul Harvey. I believe he died in the late 80s. Uh, TikTok somehow found out I love Paul Harvey. I don't spend a lot of time on TikTok, but I opened it one day, and there is somebody who has uploaded all the old Paul Harvey content. And, I'll, man, I on the way to work, that's basically what I do, is I just run the Paul Harvey content now. If you don't know the Paul Harvey content, he did a show called That's the Rest of the Story. That's how he said it. And it was three or four minute stories where you would find out the origin story of like the the Wright brothers, and he would tell you this very compelling story of these two young men and all their challenges, and then the it, like the punchline of the story, and that's why they were so successful at Kitty Hawk. And you're like, what? That was the that was the Wright brothers? I just heard about. It's incredible, uh, incredible. You should if you don't listen to Paul Harvey. Most of what's getting produced now in this world where we have one gajillion podcast is hot garbage compared to what Paul Harvey used to do. I highly recommend going back to listen to old Paul Harvey, Paul Harvey stuff. It'll make you smarter, and you'll have in- more interesting stories to tell. Now, someone has used AI to generate a Paul Harvey video about a particular to- uh, topic you're about to hear. Paul Harvey did a, a, a piece of audio about... 50 years ago called God Made a Farmer. Uh, I believe Ford or Chevy used that audio in a Super Bowl ad in the last five or six years. It's a classic. It's awesome. Like Harvey sets up, here's the problems humanity had. So God made a farmer. And it's, it's a long, very artistic piece. It's awesome. I dig it. So someone has made a parody of that, but for someone else who's not a farmer. This is cringy all the way through. It's two and a half minutes. I'm not going to make you listen to it all, but there's one part in particular I want to get to. Uh, the word I would love for you to p- have in your mind here as you're listening as a theme is idolatry. What you're about to hear is idolatry of the sin of the very, very sinful sort. Here is this AI-generated fake Paul Harvey. And on June 14, 1946, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God gave us Trump. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, then go to the Oval Office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state. So God made Trump. I need somebody with arms, strong enough to rustle the deep state, and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to ruffle the feathers, tame cantankerous World Economic Forum, come home hungry, have to wait until the first lady is done with lunch with friends, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon, and mean it. So God gave us Trump. I need somebody who can shape an axe, but wield a sword, who had the courage to step foot in North Korea. Are you, like, just retching at all yet? Like, I'm having trouble not, like, going, oh, oh. Not just because it's him. Listen, you make a video about... I don't care. Like, pick the politician. From left to right, 
this kind of fanboyism over a politician, listen, I get uncomfortable when men do it about athletes. Listen, I love sports. I love athletes. I'm a huge fan right now of what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys. You're not going to find me making art about Dak freaking Prescott right now. It's cringy and weird. Who can make money from the tar of the sand, turn liquid to gold? Who understands the difference between tariffs and inflation will finish his 40-hour Honestly, though, if I asked <laughs> if I asked the most recent former president, can you tell me the difference between tariffs and inflation? I think he'd struggle a little bit. Week by Tuesday noon, but then put in another 72 hours. So God made Trump. God had to have somebody willing to go into the den of vipers, call out the fake news for their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of vipers is on their lips, and yet stop. So God made Trump. God said, I need somebody who will be strong and courageous, who will not be afraid or terrified of the wolves when they attack, a man who cares for the flock, a shepherd to mankind who won't ever leave nor forsake them. Okay, that's fine. That's that, that's where I want to end it. It's got another minute here. A shepherd, I think he said, a shepherd to mankind who will never leave them nor forsake them. Oh, boy. He opened that first part of that soliloquy with to be strong and courageous. That's Joshua 1.9 language. You can head on over to 1 Peter, blah, 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 somewhere between chapters 2 and 3, I think, where he would never leave them nor forsake them. Oh, you know what? Peter's actually quoting Joshua. Yeah. This is, even that shepherd picture elicits Psalm 23. The shepherd guiding his sheep. Like, the whole thing is cringy. But you start eliciting Bible imagery for him, for that guy. We got a problem. And I was tempted to also play all kinds of very bad behavior just from the last couple days from the, from the former president. Uh, I don't think it's worth your time or mine. Just to remind people, uh, not a Jesus-y guy. Pretty bad dude. Pretty bad, misbehaving guy. And so calling him the shepherd to mankind who won't leave us or forsake us makes me as mad as it makes me when this fake woman steps up to a this fake pastor woman steps up to a little podium and says, well, I have questions. I go to the Bible. Just kidding. Here's something we need to recognize and understand. Both of those personalities eternally are heading in the same direction. They are Christless. And therefore, uh, when the vestiges of biblical things and Christ things are used with those who are Christless, and that, that should cause us a little bit of, little bit of a stomach ache over those things. Um, yeah, okay, I'll go ahead and say this. I had a one of the people that I follow uh, saw an exchange with him on on Twitter, where speaking of this uh, of, of Trump, uh, how he planned on uh, voting for him in a in a general election, and someone, I mean, if he has to, and I will admit, I, I I appreciate that this guy was saying saying that with a tone of if I have to, I don't really want to, but I will. To which someone responded that they they just couldn't do that. That's they're representing my thinking. And I want to free you if you also hear this. And this other guy says back, well, then you're voting for the other guy. You're voting for something more more evil and, evil and bad. No, you're not. That's not how math works. Math doesn't work that way. The absence of a number not being counted in one column does not mean 
that that number goes to another column. There's just a lack of a number in a column. Zero doesn't equal one, and one doesn't equal zero, and don't let other people, don't let anyone tell you that throughout this process. Which just leaves us with this, now now I'm talking election 2024, uh, with Christians having to think strategically. I'm going to have a great deal, I hope, Lord help me, of graciousness, like I hope I did in 2020, with Christians deciding to support a pagan because the other pagan is more aggressively pagan. I guess that was the the logic. And I'm also hopeful I will have the same grace applied to me when I, I can make good strategic points. There are good strategic points in both directions of not participating or participating in that particular way. All right, I think that's it. I was going to do this thing um, from CNN over the weekend where they talked uh, to two people just emoted. They didn't argue. They emoted about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but I'll try to save that uh, maybe for next week unless other things come up. You can give me any feedback, and I would love that because that makes more fun for interacting. So you can give me any feedback on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or threads. Look for my weird name, Corey Truax. You can also email me at CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com. That's CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com. As long as the Lord wills, I'll be back with another new edition of the Corey Truax Show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.